Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. You know, I love, I love what Dan said this morning about hunger. I love that place. I was reading this morning about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And you know, they'd gone three days without food. That tells me there was a hungry crowd because they were willing to bypass their their breakfast, their lunch and their dinner just to stay in His presence. And church, it's time that the bride gets hungry for the bridegroom, for His presence. It's time that you're not watching your clocks anymore. It's time that you're not saying, oh, shouldn't we move on now? We've had three songs. It's time that we get hungry. And you know how we get hungry? We ask God to make us hungry. We say, God, if we're not hungry, would you make me hungry? Would you stir something up inside of me? And I'm just so aware that He is attracted to our hunger and He's attracted to our affection. And when you would take time and make room to worship Him and to honour Him in your day, that if we take a little bit of extra time this morning, that you're gonna say, you know, it's for Him. It's because I want to eat well today. You know, one day God said to me that I was skinny fat. He said, you've got no muscle on you in the things of God. And it's not about what we look on the outside. We don't look at our spiritual spirit man. How strong are you? What are you feeding off? Are you strong in the things of the Spirit? And when you're strong in the things of the Spirit, what you want is more of His presence and more of His presence because you wanna eat of the heavenly food. And the heavenly food does something to your soul. It does something to your body and it does something to your spirit. And so this is why we wanna make room this morning. We wanna make room for you to start to get strong in God. Are you with me, church? You're with me, Fiona's with me. Love that. Thank you, thank you, team. We're gonna come around the Word. Thank you, team. Let's give them a hand. How good is it to be in the house of God? How good is it to be in the house of God? How good is it to be in the house of God? Come on, church, wake up this morning. Okay, we're in the house of God, the presence of God, the almighty God. The awe and reverence needs to come back to the church. Do you agree? Okay, it's time that we recognize holy ground. I took my shoes off this morning because I felt holy ground in this place. And it's time that we come back to the reverence that we are in the house of God. And I want to pray, Jesus, I honour you. Father, we've not come here to be an audience. We have come here to touch your hem this morning. Father, we're not doing church anymore. We want you, Jesus. We're hungry and I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to receive what you have to say. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just do the work that none of us can do. I pray that as each of us come as a vessel today, say, God, I want to encounter you afresh. I pray that something would shift in our lives today. I honour your word today, Father. I honour your word. I honour your word. And I thank you for your word that brings life to us. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you ready, church? Do you know that Isaiah the prophet prayed a prayer? Can you tell me, does everyone think prayer is powerful? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Well, as I prayed a prayer, you know what he said? He said, God, would you tear open the heavens and would you let your fire of your presence come down? I'm like, wow, that's a prayer. Like if we're going to pray anything, let's pray that prayer, hey? (laughs) That's a good prayer. And you know what I think? His prayer probably didn't get answered straight away because they did not have Jesus. But Jesus came and it says in the Bible that when he died, the moment he died, all, well, it was three hours as he was dying, the whole world went black and dark, okay? The darkness just entered the world. There was an eclipse, apparently, well, where they were. And it says that the curtain in the temple split in two. Now, this curtain was three and a half inches thick. And the moment he took his last breath, that very place that I talked about before, about the Holy of Holies being inaccessible, became accessible when he died. There would have been a shout in heaven, a hooray, we have just got victory. This is what we come to celebrate. I mean, this is amazing. Isaiah's prayer 
God, would you rend the heavens? Would you tear open those heavens? Just got answered. So don't ever think your prayer doesn't get answered. Did he know what he was praying? He had no idea what he was praying, did he? But Jesus heard. And that sacrifice on the cross is Jesus came to restore back to us what happened in the garden the intimacy that God had with men and women and he would walk with them and they would hear his voice and they'd live in his presence. That's what Jesus came back to do. He came to open up the heavens and open up the gate. Have we got a screen? We do. Okay, I had actually gate open, but my son did this for me and it's open gate. So that's okay. Same thing, hey. Well, you know, Dave and I, we we shared a couple of weeks ago, we went down to Melbourne, we caught a flight down there um, and we heard that there was something happening in a church down there. They were super hungry for God and they were experiencing revival. Now, I hear that word, okay? Something stirs in my spirit because revival means to, to restore something back to life. And it's really a powerful, powerful word and we need to get hungry for that word in our own personal lives. So, um, because we're super hungry, David and I, <laughs> and you should hear him in the morning, I'm not satisfied, nor am I. I want more. Yeah, me too. We want more of God. And I'm sure you are saying the same thing today because I want to see the full expression of what Jesus did on that cross. I want to see, I'm done hearing all the sad stories. I'm done seeing people struggling for year after year after year. I want to see the breakthrough. So you know what we did? We did something really crazy because we're, we're spontaneous, but we're not that spontaneous. Hey, David. But we decided, that we had, we counted down our days, we had like four or five days left of holidays and we were humming and hawing, should we, shouldn't we, you know, you always say, can you afford it, can't you afford it? And I'm walking my dogs down the road and God said to me, you get home and you tell David, you go, we're going. So I ran home, didn't I, David? I said, David, we're going to Melbourne. Just, we've got to book the flight. He was halfway booking the, the, the tickets for the conference. And there we were. And we found ourselves in the airport. Very excited, didn't we? We were so excited because we were super hungry. And... Um, And we get into the airport, and you know, we haven't flown for a little while, so we're oldies now, kind of. I don't like to say that, but um, we're not so technology, well, we're technology challenged, maybe is the word. And you know, you go to the airport, there should be someone at the counter. Well, there's not. You get a robot now. (laughs) And between the two of us, we're like, press this, press that. I mean, David's probably saying, that's you, I was fine. Anyhow, this little thing, this little box spat out a boarding pass. We should have a picture, okay? Just in case anyone hasn't travelled. You get a boarding pass when you're about to go on a plane. And the boarding pass actually tells you the flight number and the gate that you will go through to to board that plane. And, of course, we were early because we were super excited, super hungry. And wherever you go to sit, you go to your gate, and there's usually a screen there that tells you when your plane's coming and when you can board. And when we got there, it said, um, relax, have a coffee, gate shut. And we're like, okay. So we did. We had food, didn't we? And about 45 minutes just before the plane was about to leave, as we were watching the screen, it said, gate open boarding now. I was like, yes, we're going, we're heading out. Because suddenly what was inaccessible became accessible. Okay, suddenly the very place that I want to get to that I couldn't get to on my own, gate was open and says, come on in, you are welcome. And I said to David, we were like, shit, our cats, weren't we? (laughs) We're like, yes, we're going. But you see that gate open, it was going to take us to a higher place. It was going to take us to another perspective in our lives. And I'm not talking about the conference right there. I'm talking about the aeroplane. You see, where we were right there, all I could see was little Gold Coast Airport. The moment I stepped through that gate and I stepped onto that plane and it took off, guess what? I didn't just see the little Gold Coast Airport. I saw the whole of the Gold Coast. I saw a really big picture, okay? Something higher than what I could see before. I was actually going to be exposed to something new, something fresh and an environment that I had never been exposed to before because I have seen measures of revival, but I have not seen full revival yet, yet, okay? And it reminded me what Jesus did for us. That, that gate that he opened at the cross was an invitation to you and to me for more. Don't get satisfied. If you're satisfied with this, I feel sorry for you because I'm not satisfied, all right? Are we ready? 
Revelations 4, 1 says, After this I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I have heard like the sound of a war trumpet speaking with me said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. So when the Bible talks about a door, it's talking about an invitation to experience something new, something that was closed off is now open to you to come and look and see. And what he does, he invites us into another heavenly realm that's at a higher level that you haven't been to before. Like, I want that. You see, I love prophecy. Do you love prophecy? Okay, what does it do? It invites us to look into something not yet happened, but is coming. Okay, Esther prophesied over me this morning. She made me cry. Okay, because sometimes we get stuck in the now and all we can see is a battle. And God says, come up higher because you'll see what I'm doing. And the battle's not that bad because I was victorious at that cross. You're on winner's, winner's side. That's, we can't lose. But anyhow, <laughs> you know, he invites us into the more today. I really believe that. I know he's doing that for my heart. And a few weeks ago, Highway Gilston was invited into the National Day of Prayer to take an hour slot. And so Mark and his team and Esther and a few others, there was a lot here, Kirsten, and there's a lot, the prayer team. Lorna, were you there? I can't remember. But there's a little team of us came. And um, when I said yes, I said, Lord, what do you want to do in that hour? We only had an hour. But what do you want to do? And he said to me, look up the prophetic words over your nation. And Kirsten gave me, um, I just shared it with Kirsten. She says, oh, I've got those. <laughs> See, she's a prophetic girl. She's looking forward to what's coming next. And, and nation, Australia has been prophesied. Did you know that? Did you know that? Come on, church, you participated today. Did you know that? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to help just remind you today. Those prophecies help us see what's coming and also stop us looking and getting bored right here. Okay, prepares us. Like we've got to get prepared for what's coming. So this is what I read. Captain Fernandez, Spanish explorer in 1606. He put a stake in our land and declared on May 14, 1606, that this land would be the land of the great south land of the Holy Spirit. And he said, and the gospel will be preached in this land with great power, with great passion and with great zeal. I'm like, amen to that. Okay. Kenneth Hagen, now this is for you men, listen up. Kevin, Kenneth Hagen declared in 1976, the men of this land will be as it was in the early church. Would you take that on, men? Would you receive that prophetic word? And now you've got to think about what do I need to do to be a man of the early church? Start reading the book of Acts. Start stepping into the pages of the book of Acts, okay? Are you ready? Ruth Havlin said... Australia, you have an open heaven. Great favour is on our nation. Okay, now this is my favourite. Smith Wigglesworth, he said, the last and greatest revival will come out of Australia. Australia, you have been chosen of God for a great move of the Holy Spirit. This move of God will be the greatest move of God ever known in mankind's history and will start towards the end of the 20th century and move into the 21st century. This move of God will start a great revival in Australia, spread throughout the whole world and usher in the second coming of Jesus. Jesus, this will be the final revival before the coming of the Lord. Now, lean into this. This is our part. Are you listening? This is our part. He went on to say, I see whole hospitals emptied. Multitudes will be saved. No disease will be able to stand before God's people. It will be a worldwide situation, not just local, but a worldwide thrust of God's power. His God's anointing upon mankind. And it's going to start with our little nation, Australia. Do you want to give a clap to that? Come on. Okay. Now, the serious part, church, the serious part is Cindy Jacobs also prophesied. And she said, Australia's a people with a great destiny. She said, our enemy was apathy, but I'm going to add unbelief. Think about that. She said, we have responsibility for revival and a mantle and authority for revival. We carry the light horseman anointing. And if anyone knows me, I have a daughter born on that date. And there is an anointing on our nation for breakthrough. We will ride against injustice. The spirit of breakthrough is here. She reminded us it was a time for war and it's a time for battle. Okay, when soldiers are going to war, have you ever been, have you ever seen on TV when soldiers prepare for war? 
They are all hands on deck. They are getting their their weapons. They're checking their uniforms. They're practicing with their swords. They're getting their weapons sorted. They know that if they are not skillful with what they hold in their hand in battle, they will fall. In battle, they will fall. And they know that they cannot be sleeping. They need to be having an ear to their commander. They need to be knowing what he's saying. They need to know their strategy and they need to know the nation they belong to and what they're taking back. And this is where we're at today, church. This is where we're at, okay? It's very exciting days. It's time for the river to flow, don't you think? Are you ready? Something's coming, church, that God wants us to press in for. And today we're going to read out, of, and I just, I'm just going to warn you today, okay? I'm going to warn you that I might go over time, okay? Okay, and, I, I'm just, and if you're finding yourself getting, like, sleepy, jump up. And sit back down and go, I'm leaning in, Jesus. I'm leaning in. I'm listening. Because God does not give us a word that we need to hear for nothing. He gives it to us so we would prepare and would be ready and would say, God, would you use me? God, would you use me in this significant time in our nation? So Genesis 28 is actually a story about Jacob. And Jacob finds himself, you know, he's born in a godly heritage. Abraham, Isaac are his fathers. I mean, think of that. And here's Jacob, and he steals his brother's birth, birthright. Then he, he steals the blessing, his father's blessing as well. And Jacob finds himself in an absolute mess of a life, and he's running for his life. He becomes homeless and hopeless. And this is where we pick up our story today. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Genesis 28, 11 to 22. Okay, so here's Jacob. He comes to a certain place and stays there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. There's inheritance, yes. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? I just, when I read that, I'm like, Did Jacob say awesome? <laughs> did they? I wonder what awesome is in Hebrew. Anyhow, <laughs> it's been translated. How awesome is this place? This is no other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And now we're going to jump to verse 18. It says, Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it, and called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loved previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, then I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I love this because Jacob wasn't living in our life. He didn't have the cross. But he saw what we live in, an open heaven. Like, think of that. And the other thing I love it, that he was in the darkest night of his soul. And he was in the worst place. He'd lived the worst life and done all the bad stuff. And God still encountered him. Like, think of that. And I know that God said to me, he said, I want you to tell the people. He wants to encounter you in your darkest hour. He wants to encounter you. You've not been, been um, disqualified. He wants to encounter you. And so my first point today, we've got a few, sorry, church. We need fresh encounters with God to keep the fire burning. Okay. Fresh encounters with God. Do you want one? Keep the fire burning. Okay, we've got to fan up this flame. We've got to keep it burning. You see, Jacob needed a perspective change. He was hopeless and homeless. Sometimes life throws us a bit of a curveball. You know, try really hard not to cry. Uh, 
And it's really silly. You're going to think I'm silly, but last, last week we lost one of our dogs. And um, he's only five years old, so I'm trying really hard because I don't want to cry because I'm, I'm sad, but I'm good. You know, I'm sad, but I'm good. And as I came home from the bed on Friday night, and I was heartbroken, and the Lord said to me, he said, Claire, I want to encounter you in this moment. He said, it's possible to grieve with hope because I am the God of all comfort and I will comfort you in your afflictions. He said, come and bring your sad heart to me. And he said, just like a little child, bring their pain to their parents. He said, I invite you to do the same and he will meet us there. And you know, when you lose something, it's, it's painful. It hurts a lot. And sometimes when we've got pain in our heart, we can look to self-medicate or we put a Band-Aid on it. But the best painkiller is Jesus. And, you know, I went to bed that night and, and I couldn't sleep and I tried not to think about the loss and what I was feeling. And the Lord said, come to me, Claire. I want to encounter you. And, you know, all night I felt like I had my head on his, on his chest. All night I felt him just saying, I got you. And I know it's silly because it's a dog, but I walk this dog every day. He's my friend. And it was just suddenly, and you know, sometimes what God calls us to do is not easy. And Pastor Julie shared that last week, and she said she lost her son. And three days later, she had to get up and preach. And I don't know, but if that little, what she shared last Sunday was just for me this morning, to have courage, to go, you know what, yes, I am sad, and I am going to cry. And there's going to be moments, you know, I look, go there, and I see two bowls and now there's only one dog and there's little things that just stir your heart and the pain comes back but in every time of those moments when I feel that he said to me come to me come to me you see the presence that Jesus opened up to us was a place of tenderness it's a place of love it's a place of healing but what we do is we hide our pain we put it in the cupboard because it's too painful and we don't want to go there so we just shove it away and we do whatever we need to do to dumb and numb the pain but Jesus said if you come to me what happens is I'll open up the pain I'll do spiritual surgery where it's sore I'll fix it and it might hurt for a little while but I promise you joy will return to that place see he is a great healer. Jesus is the best painkiller ever. And he wants to help us always move forward. Don't get stuck in that place where you can't move forward. And, 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 you know, when I say that he wants us to encounter him, there's a way. He's made a way for us to encounter him. And the way that he's, he's done it is to set up some default things in our lives. Okay, there's some, you know, your computer plays up and what happens or you can't work your printer, you have to go back to the default settings. And those default settings are what is the blueprint. It's what's going to hold your computer in the right way. And, and he said to me, he said, Claire, in these moments, if you will set up a well-worn path into my presence every day when life's going good, here I am, here I am, Jesus. Life's going great, here I am, Jesus. I love you, I love you. Life's going bad, oh, there's a path. Here I am, Jesus, here I am. Because I know the way, I know where to go. It's a default setting. And so he's given us a few things in his word. In, in Leviticus, um, the priests were given instructions. Do you know the instructions that were given to the priests were for the tabernacle, how they were to stay close to God. And this is what the priests were instructed to do. They were told they must keep the fire burning. They must not let the fire go out. I'm saying that to you today, church. Do not let the fire go out today. And what they would do, that, that if they let the fire go out, you see, they would lose their presence of God in their life and they'd get lost. So they were not allowed to get the fire burnt um, out. And what happens is if you have fire, there will always be ashes. Have you noticed that? And ashes are messy, but this is what God told them to do. He said, we must each day carry the ashes outside the camp. The fire on the altar must never go out. Leviticus 6, if you want to look it up. It must be kept burning. And every morning, church, say every morning, the priest is to add fresh wood, fresh firewood every morning. See, Dave and I have a fireplace at home and we live in the mountains and it's cold and it's getting colder. I feel like we really are in winter up there. And um, we have a fireplace, so we put it on at night. But we've both had a habit, either him or myself, Every morning we get up, we go to the fireplace, and one of us will clean out the ashes. And you see, if we don't clean out the ashes, when we come to the evening, we want to burn that fire again, that fire's going to burn dim. It's not going to be bright. And so we've had to have a, a consistent, um, I guess, routine of cleaning out the ashes. 
okay? It's the same in our hearts. Okay, what happened to me on Friday night? If I don't bring that to Jesus, that's going to dim because what happens when we get pain in our heart? We start to step away. We start to isolate. We start to have this entitlement, God, where were you? What did you do? Why did, why did you not save him? And I'll tell you, I'm preaching on open heaven. All week I prayed for my dog. I laid hands on him every day. You asked David. I even made David come and pray for the dog. <laughs> he looked at me and said, I said, he's part of our household. God said, me and my household. And we prayed over this dog and we prayed over this dog. And I wept over this dog. I lay on the floor and stroked him to sleep every night. And I prayed and said, God, would you? I know you can. He didn't. But that does not change my default settings. It doesn't change who he is. It doesn't change that every morning I go to that fire and I get rid of the ashes. Jesus, you know my heart is painful. My, you know my heart is, is hurting. But here they are. You see, our souls build up a resistance to the goodness of God when we experience pain, and especially chronic pain or sickness or suffering or disappointment. I'm, I'm older now. So I've seen a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. But I know now the key is get rid of it and bring it to Jesus. Okay, don't get stuck there. He is all the comfort that we need. Acts 3.19 says, Now you must repent and turn back to God, that your sins will be removed. And so times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. God is good. Do you know how I do it? When I'm in pain, I start to pour out my love on Him. I start to declare, you are such a good God. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that, Father God, you know what pain is like because you watched your son die. And so you know how to comfort my heart because it's only people who've been where you've been that can actually understand what you're feeling. So you have to go to the one who knows the deepest pain and the deepest loss to have the deepest healing. That's where it's found, church. You see, when Jacob, I, I, you know, when God said to me, get into that, that, that place of encounter, he was really saying, you need to find who I am with an open heaven like Jacob saw, what is possible. And God can turn all things like Esther said this morning for good. Fantastic, hey. And so how do we encounter God? We draw near to God. And guess what happens? Like Dan said this morning, he's attracted to our hunger. We draw near to God. God, I so need you. God, I'm desperate for a touch of God. I need you. Guess what? He said, here I am because he's the greatest father. And when a child is crying, what does a parent do? Even if they're talking in a crowded room, they hear the cry. And they go to their child and they comfort. That's what he does for us. God, it's so, so good. So, so good. You see, the fresh firewood every morning, that's his word. That's his word. Studying the Bible and growing in the things of, the, of what the word said in our relationship with him is what we get our source of life from. And every time you study the Bible, can I ask you to do something for me? Expect to encounter him. Okay, go there. I opened this morning and I said, God, I'm going to expect to encounter you today. And you know what? I did what probably you shouldn't do. But anyhow, I just opened it up. So I want to encounter you this morning. Guess what, he, guess what I opened up to? We are the gate of heaven. I'm like, yes, I've got a word from God for you today. <laughs> he confirms his word. It doesn't happen all the time, but just keep the habit of going to it all the time because it is a source of life. <laughs> okay, so I read this little post. You know, I've actually gone off social media. It's too much of a distraction terrible and too much of a waste of time but sometimes I'll read something and I'll take a little photo of it and put it in a little little file to come back to and this week the Lord brought this up to me with one of my photos and it was a post by Lisa and John Bevere and this is what it said just about every Christian knows that they should spend more time in God's word but most struggle to do it then they wonder why they struggle to live as God calls them to turns out these two struggles are related a recent study conducted by the Center of Bible Engagement revealed that when a person engages with the Scripture at least four times a week, their lives shift in big ways. Now I have, oh, they've got it up there. Can you see it? Feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, marriage, children, relatives dropped 40%. 
alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 62%. Sharing the gospel increased 200,000%. Discipling others increased 230%. Abiding in God's Word is not an option. It's a necessity. You have to build your life on the Word of God. It will hold you in tough times. Okay? When Jacob encountered God in his dream, you know what what happened when he encountered God in his dream? God showed him who he was. Do you want to know who God is? Do you want to know who he is? This almighty God that created this world? You're going to find it in here. Okay? You're going to find it. But you know what? You don't, have, you don't want to just be a tourist in there, okay? Tourists pick up little bits and pieces that everyone's got. They're just like reproductions. You can get them on podcasts and you can get that on, you know, TV. You can hear someone, me speaking, whatever. Little just, but when you start becoming an excavator of his word, you know what excav- excavators find? They find treasures, <laughs> treasures. So you've actually, you know, I was thinking about it too and I thought, you know, the children of Israel were given fresh manna every day, but guess what they had to do? They had to collect it. They had to collect it. It didn't just pop into their mouth. They actually had to collect the manna every day. And so Jacob sees, as this heaven is opened up to him, he gets to see who the great I am is. And this is what he says, I am. I am. Who does he say that to? Moses. I am. I am with you. I will keep you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back. And this promise is for you too. It's for you too. It's for me too. I am with you, Claire, when you're sad that your dog died. I am with you, Claire, when you lost your dad. I am with you when we lost homes and finances. I am with you when we lost loved ones that we loved. I am with you when you get a diagnosis that you think, oh my goodness. I am with you, he says to you today. He is a promise keeper. His promises actually trumped Jacob's dysfunction and Jacob's mistakes. I love that because I make so many mistakes. Who he was to Abraham and Isaac, he would now start to be for Jacob. See, he cares about generations. He reveals he is a God that wants to come in close, a dwelling God. In one moment, the God that was so far off from from Jacob suddenly became closer, came near to him became personal and his relationship to God out of this encounter was just about to change and I love Dan and Courtney I love that scripture that you youth guys had Job 42 1 he said my my ears have heard but now my eyes have seen do you know we had a whole lot of young people we were here on Friday night Oh, yeah, Dan, there was no one not, on, not flat on the ground. Like the whole room, you couldn't, even walk, you couldn't even walk around the altar. All these young people were on flat on their backs for the Lord. And I loved when I watched the catches. They were skillful. Someone was falling. I'm thinking, where are they going to fall? There's no one there. And they would rip them around and they fell. <laughs> they were really skillful. It was amazing. <laughs> but you know what I love? I love that God did not just speak to Jacob's now. He's spoken to Jacob's future. This is what prophecy does, hey. He revealed to Jacob what was about to come. What he was revealing to Jacob was Jesus. Like, he gave him this bigger picture. Jacob has no idea what he was seeing, really. He thought it was just for him. Heaven opened, angels up and down. Wow. He was actually showing him redemption for all mankind. Wow. I just love that. You see, um, for many of you, when you have an encounter your perspective is going to change. And for many of us, when we encounter who our God is, we are one perspective change away from our breakthrough. Okay, one perspective change. When you know how big your God is, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. When Dave and I got on that plane, we really did see a fresh perspective, not just from the sky. We got to this conference and... um, we started to hear prophetic words and we started to hear and feel in our spirit. We sat right at the back. We were not interested in who was speaking. We actually didn't even know who was speaking because we didn't go for that. We went to have an encounter with God and we sat at the back. But I tell you what, we started to get and picture a new perspective. God is always wanting us to go to the war. He wants you to have the war. Did you know that? Don't get stuck in tough times believing that this is it. I'm stuck like this. I'm never going to change. God is amazing. He can break through in your life in a second. And what you think you're always going to be stuck in, He's going to say to you, I can do that in a moment because this is how big He is. And I love it because 
You know, no matter what Jacob did, God still encountered him. That's good, hey? Number two point, the open gate reminds us of promise. The promise still stands. We serve a covenant God. Do you know that? When we let go, He holds on. I love that because I need that. But it's always for the generations. And that's really beautiful. You know, a curse will last for four generations. But the Bible tells us the blessing is for a thousand generations. Honestly, we should be standing on our feet and cheering. The blessing is for a thousand generations. Like, think about that. That is amazing. The promise was generational. The Lord said in verse 13, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. Wherever you go, I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. I think and what I've spoken to you. You see, for Jacob, the promise was the seed within the seed will be blessed. The covenant, church, listen, if you are a parent in this room today, the covenant is for you and your children. I, I claim that. I, I, I just claim that. That is so powerful. Jacob was not living his best life. And yet God reminds him the promise he made to Abraham and he made to Isaac was his How good is that? Like you think about it, how unworthy are we? And yet the covenant extended to Jacob. The promise God gave to him still stands. He is a promise keeper despite what our children do and their behavior, despite where they find themselves. God will be faithful to his promise and his word of covenant is greater, greater than where you find yourself or where our children find themselves. Acts 2.39 says, For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families and for those yet to come and those yet to be born for everyone whom the Lord calls, whom the Lord calls to Himself. And I claim that for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. A thousand generations, that's mine, okay? So it matters, church. It matters what you and I do. And you know, I was walking down the road the other day as I walk my dogs, I pray and I worship and I was praying and I was praying for Gilston and the people and then I started to pray for my children and my family. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, would you, would you worship me? Go to, go to something that you know about me. And I said, God, you are faithful. You are so faithful. And I'm just speaking out his faithfulness and his goodness and his faithfulness and his goodness. And I said, God, would you show me, like, show me another facet of your faithfulness? Show me another part of who you are. And immediately I had a vision. And I saw, I, was, I, we, I walked my dogs miles where I live, everywhere. And I walked through this national park that borders on an old farm. And this old farm is old and untended and uncared for. And immediately what I saw, because I remember walking through it, and all I could see was all these lemon trees laden with lemons. But no, no, the grass is high, but there's lemon tree after lemon tree after lemon tree. And the Lord said to me, you know, that, that field was once tended and cared for, wasn't it? Someone planted those lemon trees, didn't they? And I said, yes. And he said, is it tended and cared for now? And I said, no. He said, but... The seed held the fruit, and the seed is still bearing fruit, despite where that lemon tree finds itself. The seed within our children, when we bring our kids to church, and when we bring our kids to children's church, and when you're at home, you do devotions with them, you pray with them, what are you planting? Seeds of the kingdom. And the seeds of the kingdom are incorruptible seeds. That no matter, no matter what, the covenant, the promise is for the generation. So what you did today, turning up to church, putting your kids in church, kids' church, coming into the house of God, making room in your life, guess what? That's going to bless the generations to come. They are going to have food to eat because of what you did today. When you make room for God, He will make room for your children. And Jacob is a prime example of that. I really, really love that. He's a promise keeper. Luke 1.37 says, Not one promise he gives you is devoid of power. Not one promise is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. And number three, I believe we haven't seen anything yet. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. There's so much more to come, church. Okay, there's a story in John. 
John chapter 1, 43, this is the story. Okay, so Jesus calling his 12, his 12 disciples. But I love that um, he calls Philip. And this is so cool. He calls Philip. Jesus says, come Philip, come join. And Philip goes, hey, Nathaniel, come join. Don't you see kids do that? You know, like, but God only called Philip. No, 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 Nathaniel included his friend. Come on, Nathaniel, come too. Come and see. I think we have found the one. Like, oh, if we got that excited about Jesus. Oh, if we got that excited about Jesus, come and see the one that Moses wrote about. Come and see. And as Nathaniel comes along, this is what Jesus says. He says, truly, here is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. You see, the fig tree represents destiny. And what Jesus does is that before you're born, he writes a destiny, a book for every single one of us. And in that book, he writes a destiny, a purpose that your life is destined to fulfill. And Nathaniel had never met Jesus, but Jesus knew Nathaniel. Jesus had seen him in the book of destiny. And so when Nathaniel came, Jesus knew exactly who he was. And Jesus knew that he was about to step into destiny. How cool is that? Uh, And Nathaniel declares, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Out of one encounter with Jesus, he believes. Wow, do we not need that kind of faith? Out of one encounter. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You ready, church? You will see greater things than this. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And in the Amplified Bible, it says the Son of Man will be the bridge between heaven and earth. And the Message Bible says, you haven't seen anything yet. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open. I believe, church, we're on the precipice of of you have not seen anything yet. I hope you're all awake this morning. I know I'm long-winded, I know that, but I hope that you are listening. Okay. (laughs) Number four, the stone, okay. Jacob laid his head on the stone. Now, I had never seen this before. He laid his head on the chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. Jesus hadn't yet come, but Jacob instinctively laid his head, the place where his mind, because this is our biggest battle, his head on the stone, that the rock that is Jesus, the stone would be the chief cornerstone of his church. It'd be upon that rock he would build his church. Oh, this battle that Jacob declares would not be made of bricks and mortar. It's going to be made of living stones. That's you and me. Jacob didn't even know he was prophesying over us. Like, how cool is that? Okay, Peter says, you are like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see yourself as a living stone or do you see yourself on the ruins on the side? Because a living stone builds something. Okay? It's part of a tabernacle. It means you've got to take your place. You've got to take your place for a dwelling place for God. You see, everything Jacob saw that day was prophesying over our day. Ephesians 2.22 says that in him you are too being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. Or oh, just think about that point. God lives in this living stone. As I was preparing this message One night I woke up and the Lord said to me, tell them I am a dwelling God. I want to dwell with my people. I want to dwell with them as I did in the garden. Same, it's not just a story, church. When Jesus died, he opened that gate. Okay, when Jesus was baptized, this is what happened after his baptism. As Jesus came out of the water, what happened? The heavens opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. We are called to carry Christ in us. We are called to have that same dove that landed on Jesus look for a resting place on us. And that prayer that Isaiah prayed, tear open the heaven with the fire of his presence come down. Guess when it was answered? At the River Jordan when Jesus got baptised. At the cross. Like don't ever think your prayers are not getting answered. Your prayers are getting answered, church. Sometimes just not in our timing. You've got to remember that, okay? You see, Jesus came to open the the gate. And when he opened heavens, he showed us what the kingdom of God looks like. It says that he healed all. Listen to that. He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. He brought heaven near. Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere. 
the river of life flowed and barren things came back to life. Dead things came alive. They came alive. There's fruitfulness, landscapes of lives changed completely wherever Jesus went. He carried heaven with Him. Church, we're called to do no less. I wanna challenge you with that. We are called to do no less. When you walk into a workplace, does that workplace get better? When you walk into your home at night, does your home get better? Because you are bringing Christ. You are bringing heaven into that place. When you walk into church, do you leave this place better? Because all that you can speak of is life and good things. See, that's what the kingdom, that's what He calls us to. We are called to be living gateways. We are called now to be the gateways where God's presence invades heaven to earth. So Psalm 24 says, So wake up, wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you ages, doors of destiny. Welcome the King of glory, for He is about to come through you. Oh, wow. If we just take that all in reverence. What? You want to come through me? Like, wow. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put. Musicians, you can come up at this time. And he put it at his head. He set it up as a pillar and he poured out oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel, the house of God. Jacob poured oil on the stone. Who was the stone? Jesus. And who's the stone now? Us, living stones. The same anointing, same anointing that was poured out over Jesus would now be upon his church. Do you want that? Have you gone to sleep? Have I been too long? Number five, my last point. <laughs> Make your life an upper room. Would you do that? Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Dunamis power, explosive power. At Pentecost, there were 120 disciples that set themselves apart Okay, and waiting for the promise of the more. Are we there, church? Because I think we are. I think we're in this place of waiting for the more. But have you set yourself apart? Have you been prepared to wait for the more? Have you been willing to be a resting place for the dove? You know that dove? That dove was the same dove that hovered over the void of the deep when there was nothing in creation. And God's Word spoke and that dove created the creations. And then Noah after the flood, same dove. He sends it out to see if there's a resting place for the dove. The dove finds no resting place. So what does he do? He comes back to Noah. Noah's name means rest. And Noah draws the dove to himself. He waits a little longer and sends the dove out again. And this time the dove comes back with an olive leaf in his mouth. That olive leaf is the international symbol of peace. What does it point to? The Prince of Peace. And then he sends out the dove again. This time it doesn't come back. But who does it land on? When Jesus gets baptised? Jesus. And then Jesus goes to heaven. And that same dove, that same dove is looking for a resting place. He's looking for those because He wants to anoint the same anointing on Jesus. He wants to anoint on that stone. He wants to anoint on His church. That, we would be, that, that Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. God is calling us to be in upper room. He's calling this nation to be an upper room. That revival prophecies I spoke to you about, it doesn't just happen. It comes when those would set themselves apart to pray because they want the more. They are not satisfied. You see, fresh oil is found in seeking God's face. It's seeking Him, the secret place. My prayer is, God, would you make my life a prayer? Church, in the days ahead, if you do not pray, you will not stand. If you do not pray, you will not stand. You need to be in the secret place. You need to be having fresh oil in your lamb so your fire burns bright. And for some of you, God may be saying and calling you to set yourself apart. You might need to make some changes. You might need to take some ashes out. You might need to get on your knees and say, God, I need to give you some ashes today. My fire's been dim. I've been carrying all the disappointments, all the discouragements. I've been carrying all these things. I've been isolating. I've been setting, stepping away from you, but I'm gonna give you my ashes this morning. I'm gonna clean them out. And today, I'm gonna start putting fresh wood on the fire. And my fire... My fire is going to burn bright because I hear all heaven saying, the gate is open. The gate is open. The gate was open for us to get on that flight. It meant nothing unless I got up and walked through it. 
The gate is open. God says He's given us an open heaven, but it requires some movement on your part, some changes on your part. And for some of you, you know, you might need to have to make more room on your plate to do this. But I believe it's time for the church to be on its knees. You know, this week, Dan Russell said to me on Friday, they had 80 young people at their Wednesday night prayer meeting. 150 people at Ormo came together to pray. Come on, church. 150 people in the middle of the week. We're all tired. Everybody's cold. Everybody is busy, but they made room for the more. I want to see revival. I want to see hospitals emptied. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see the prodigals come home. I want to see the full reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the bride, power of the bride rising up to who she was always meant to be. And I ask you this question today. What part will you play in the days ahead? Are you ready? Will you make room? Yes. Thank you, Fiona. Me too. Me too. It's going to cost you something. It's cost me much this week. And not because I want anyone to feel sorry for me, but I'm going to warn you, it will cost you something. It will hurt, and most of the time you won't feel like doing it. But you know, yes, it's not conducive to your circumstances. Okay? You see this church that I went to in Melbourne, Dave and I, we were talking to a couple, and they told us that midweek prayer meeting, it is full. The church is full at their midweek prayer meeting. And you know what? It is colder in Melbourne than here. They don't even have car parks. They have to walk Wherever they can find a part, they will walk miles to get into the church. A lot of the people live more than 30 or 40 minutes away. Midweek, they all work. Midweek, they find themselves in the prayer room because they know that they want to see kingdom come and that drives them into the room where there's power, where there's fresh encounters and where there's fresh oils. And you know what happens? That when they come together on Sunday morning, guess what happens in their service? Signs, wonders and miracles. That's what they live with. And you know, as we left that conference, I had no words. We got to the airport and on the way, David's on fire. He's, he's witnessing to our Uber driver. Like, just like that, just witnessing and sharing the gospel. You see, we had been in an atmosphere of open heaven. And when there's an atmosphere of open heaven over your life, you don't have to think about it. It just flows. And David just shared the gospel. And you see, we had seen a little bit of what revival, uh, that's not enough for me, I want more than that, but a little bit. They had people, we saw people get healed in our service. Many were on their knees crying out for God. This is not a time, church, to be embarrassed about what you do in church because you love Jesus. If you want to get on the front altar on your knees and sob, you do it. If you want to, if you want to cry out and shout out, do it, do it. He loves that. And you know, we were in this one meeting and Pastor Corey Turner they have prayer all the time. What David did this morning was beautiful. They would stop their meeting and they'd start to pray. And they'd say, come on, everyone, stand up. Stand up, everybody. Come on, and say, you know what? We have schools in this area. We're gonna place a stake in the ground for kingdom in this area. And at one point, he got us all to stand up and he went, you, you're gonna do the north. You, you're gonna do the south. The south. You're gonna do the east and you're gonna do the west. And we had to face the area. And he said, we're claiming that territory for God. What if you did that in your homes? What if you stood in your home today and you did the north, the south, the east and the west? I'm claiming territory for the kingdom. And this morning we have a school right next to us. Come on church, are we sleeping? Do we know that people are dying? They are lost, they are hurting, they are sad. And what is the church doing? It's time to rise up and wake up. The Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. As I got to the airport, <laughs> here comes the little, here comes the little robots again. I had to um, get a, another boarding pass. <laughs> and it was a real robot. Hey, David, like, no people around. But this boarding pass gets spat out at me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, have a look at your flight number, Claire. And I had a look down and it said, JQ444. And you see in the Hebrew language, the fourth letter is Dalet. It represents pictorially an open door, likened to an open tent door, sound as such entering the tent of meeting, the same place that the glory of God met with Moses. He said that is where the open door is. It's about the glory of God coming into the tabernacle. And the open door implies an invitation. An invitation always, always requires a response 
Okay, an invitation to enter fresh, intimate encounters with God. When seeing falls, take note of what you are doing at the time, as it can be God talking about an open door season and creative miracles. Who needs a creative miracle? Anyone in this room? Okay, especially pertaining to a season you are on the threshold of. A fresh perspective as you come up higher and see the open doors open to you. God is decreeing over you, victory church. He decrees, if you will align with what I am saying, you will enter the greatest season of your life and you will see that the gate is indeed open and all you have to do is start to walk into that secret place, start to get on your knees, start to cry out for the more. He is attracted to our hunger and He will meet you there. The same assignment that was on Jesus is on us. Do you know you've got an assignment? Do you know that one day the books will be opened and you'll be judged on what you did and what you didn't do? And I don't know about you, but my excuses are pretty lame. Jesus commissioned these 12 to go out into the ripened harvest fields with these instructions. Okay. Heaven's kingdom rail, it's accessible. Gate is open. Close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom. So freely release it to others. Church, I felt really, really convicted on that. It's like, what am I doing? Am I on my knees enough? Is my life an upper room? And I ask you the same question. You know, we said He invited us into the more. If you don't know Jesus in the room today, or maybe you've been a part-time Christian, maybe today you've said, you know what, I come to church when I can fit it in on my schedule. That's kind of not going to cut it, church. In the days ahead, we need to be full on, all in. We need to put them first. We need to say, on my plate, I'm leaving this big, actually the greatest portion, Jesus, to what you're about to do in this nation. See, I want to be in that place where hospitals are emptied. I want to see prodigals come home. I don't want to just do church and look good and look pretty and be able to speak a nice little sermon. Honestly, I don't care. I don't need a platform, but I want to see people saved. And so today, it's not about what can God give you. I would like to have an invitation for you who would like to say, I want to be in upper room. I want to set myself apart. I'm going to go home and I'm going to clean out some ashes. But not just that, I'm going to put fresh firewood on the fire. I'm going to ask God that He would fan into flame, fan into flame what's inside of me, what He's placed as destiny and purpose on my life. And I'm going to ask God that He would use me. And if that's you today, come, stand up, whatever you want to do, you don't have to. I know that I've already done this before, God, but would you surrender yourself and say, God, I need fresh oil. I need fresh oil. The fresh oil comes from His presence. But you know what I've found? Sometimes we're looking for a person to give it to us. It comes from Him. It comes from a living gateway that said, my gate is wide open. Jesus, would you come? He's actually attracted to our hunger. And some of you said, but I don't feel anything. It's not about your feelings today. It's not about your feelings. I know God's in the room this morning. I know He's in the room. And I know He wants to encounter you. And not just you, your children's children's children. And so today, I would like us as a church, we have got a community around here that need us. We've got a community around here that doesn't know Jesus. And I'd like us to be the ones to bring the Gospel to them. What an honour and what a privilege that would be. And so if that is you today, and actually before we go on, is there anyone in the room that wants to know Jesus? Do you know that boarding pass I had? That boarding pass, the way you get a boarding pass is Jesus. The way you get to heaven, He said, I am the gate. He is the gate. And you have to go through Him to, to enter that place. So if you have not known Jesus as your Saviour today, can I ask, is anyone, would you, anyone like to know Him as your Saviour? And if we've got a room here, is there anyone? No one, sorry. Put your hand up if that's you. If there's no one in this room, then I'm going to ask us to enter a prayer room Tuesday morning, Tuesday night. Let's start praying for souls. 
let's start praying that every empty seat in here, that we'd be like Philip and we'd say, hey, come and see, come and see the one. Let's tell the good news of what God has done for us. And let's bring them in because the harvest is ripe. But Jesus said the labourers were few. And so it's up to you, church. I can't say you're yes. And I don't, whether you come up or not, it's not up to me, but up to you. Would you like to respond to the invitation this morning? Because I'm going to pray over you and we're just going to set ourselves apart together that God would use our house, that we definitely would be the Bethel, the Bethel where God's presence dwells. And as they walk through those doors, they're going to say, I felt Him. My ear has heard, but now I have seen. So church, would you rise with me? Would you stand? And if that is you today, it is just, all it is is a step forward. It's not anything, it's just a, a moment where we're saying to God, we consecrate ourselves to you. And if that is you, come, come and stand at the front. And we're just gonna sing. Can we sing a song? Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.